Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I'm Ian. And Bonnie. And Mark. The trial continued today. The prosecution basically wrapped up their case with one exception. My ex-girlfriend, and still to this day a good friend, Renee, she came down with covid Earlier, or I guess over the weekend, it was announced on Monday. She, After she gave half her testimony. Right. She was almost done with being questioned by the prosecution on Friday, and then the weekend happened, and then Monday morning we learned that Renee's got COVID. So she has got not, the Rona. Yeah, she has not yet finished her testimony, which means that the prosecution cannot rest their case yep. until they can get Renee into the court. If so, they can't get her into the court in a decent amount of days... They're going to have to call a mistrial on this trial. Let me ask some questions for the listeners. Can't she just testify from another room? Um, In theory, if both sides were to agree to that, then that could happen, but we're not going to agree to that. Why wouldn't you agree to that? We have the right to question a witness in front of a jury. Sure, the jury needs to be able to see the body language and everything Mm -hmm. from the the witness. That's the reason. And how are you supposed to know that she's not like being coached by someone else in the room if she's over a video camera? Yeah, well, there's lots of variables that are like, up in the air yeah. that just shouldn't so not be introduced option. in court. Well, they can't even let her into the courthouse right now. Well, why can't they COVID. just let her in the courthouse? And I mean, it's not. It's not if there's a room Due to big enough, it doesn't matter. Protocols. Because this room, uh, specifically, one of the jurors is like, mm-hmm. I'm super scared of Rona. At least right? one juror yeah. insisted and on. We masks. all have to wear masks yeah. for an entire three weeks. Yeah. You're damn right she can't come in. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like I'm, we're not going to drag somebody in with COVID um, if uh, if I've got to sit there yeah. in a mask the whole time. So, yeah. uh, you know, what about, um, you know, special b- boxes or something they could build for or, or something? Put her in a bubble. Nah. You roll, so, her, roll her in a <laughs> big beach ball. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that all uh, plays out over the Basically, next few days. Basically, it's, uh, you know, it's, the, the prosecution has gotten to ask questions. The defense hasn't. If the defense doesn't get to ask questions of this uh, person who cannot come into the courthouse while yeah. testing positive, cannot, then the... You know, that's they it. can't hold what this jury. They can't hold this jury forever, right? Like they right. have to let them go at some point. Uh, but basically, they're done with their case at this point, with the exception of a few more exhibits during uh, Renee and the cross examination, and then they their case will be rested. Uh, the one there was one big takeaway, or maybe more than one today, that the woman who they were going to call from the FBI, who is the FBI's top blockchain quote unquote expert, yep who was defrocked as an expert at the previous hearing prior to the trial. So there was like a a trial or like a hearing on a motion that we had where they actually called this person in. Her name is Erin Montgomery. She's worked on, you know, I don't know, 100 cases over a decade, all blockchain related. And we learned that she has no actual official learning as far as education in computing. She's self-taught, so she's read some books on blockchain or whatever. But she admitted on the stand that anyone could do what she did, even my attorney. And you know what? The I'm actually kind of disappointed because what she was going to present, I think, actually would have ultimately helped us. And maybe they realized that, and that's why they they didn't call her. They ultimately decided to not call a couple of the uh, the old ladies that they were going to have come in. A couple of the old ladies got COVID uh, this week as oh, well, yeah. so they threw them off. So they they tossed off probably like five or six different witnesses. 
And uh, one of the real like highlights of the day today, and overall, I think you guys agreed it was a really good day. Yeah, for, that was what defense. I was going to say regarding yeah. it is, is uh, having the sat day. there the vast majority of the day, unlike Bonnie, who has sat through every mm-hmm. single second of this, um, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say that I was pretty heartened by what I heard. I mean, you know, there were moments when I'm like, eh, a wince or whatever, because this is the prosecution. Mm-hmm. The defense hasn't said anything. <laughs> well, like, Except for cross. They've, yeah. been, they've crossed. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine that Sissy at this point is going to kick their butts and, yeah. uh, you know, because I'm not impressed with their case. Mm-hmm. There's no conclusive. There's no smoking gun. There's no I nothing. I told you it was a sucky case. It really, yeah. they, they haven't even woven together other than to sort of say, you know, hey, some shady stuff was going on. And there's scammers out there. They haven't come out and <laughs> revealed something like that maybe me and Mark weren't privy to and we'd be like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, Ian, I can't believe you did that. They haven't done anything like that. It's just yeah. like, what if? This looks bad. He didn't tell the banks he was doing Bitcoin things. Right. You know, he can't. <laughs> are you going to play the, uh, speaking of Sam Bankman Freed, are you going to play yeah. his little clip where he mm. says you can't tell banks? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You don't do that. I don't, don't think do... I'm going to introduce that into the trial. No. It's it, just it widely uh, considered. Well, you clearly didn't. Yeah. And at this point, you need an explanation, well, it seems. It might look bad if they're like, look, he's just like Sam Bankman yeah. Freed. Yeah, I don't. Or nothing like, right? Like Sam right. Bankman-Fried is actually accused of defrauding people, and, and they're not accusing me of that. Like openly, the, these witnesses on cross-examination have admitted that Ian is not accused of uh, of defrauding anyone. Yep. He didn't know who these fraudsters were. There's been no connection whatsoever to me or Aria and these other uh, fraudsters at all. And there's, there won't be because it doesn't exist. Well, the, because the prosecution's rested. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's over. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing I, I love, this was my favorite moment of the day, mm. was, uh, you know, the the IRS forensic auditor yeah. gets up there. And I'm talking about two hours worth of testimony about numbers and blah, 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 A literal blah. tax feeder, by the way. I was just going to freaking fall asleep. Sisty gets up there and says, um, so, you know, Ian Freeman doesn't have any, ta- you don't have any tax returns from him and you don't know what his write-offs are. You don't yeah. know anything about his stuff. You just made it all up and he could. Because uh, she did her, she did taxes, quote unquote, for me. She, right. came, she went to local Bitcoins. Uh, they gave, they gave, the, you know, on a responsive uh, warrant or whatever, they, they gave over all of my profile history. Big thanks uh, going out to everybody that has attended this trial, some people have come come from as far as a few states away, several states away, in fact, to come up here and attend this. So, uh, wow, and really actually, appreciate it. Somebody came from another country. Somebody came from Florida. Oh wait, I thought he you came, came from, from another country. I thought he did. I thought Mark. Did. Oh, Mark doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> you are here just for the trial. You you you, but you're here a lot. I'm here to cover you um, mm. in case you know something Things goes go bad. poorly in the yeah. the, the trial. I and- think Mark counts. Ian. And things could still go bad. Don't we shouldn't get cocky here even though it has been an absolute bl- pleasure and a blast to watch Mark Sisti just chew up these federal agents uh when they're on the stand. He's uh, he's super nice to the old ladies that yep. have been and the old guys that have been sadly victimized by online right. scammers. He even tells them like I'm sorry this happened to you. Yep. Yep. And he's as quick as he can with them. He wants to get them out of there and then that way we can focus back on these liars from the federal government who have literally been caught lying. And covering for their violence against these peaceful people, including myself and you, Bonnie, who you had to go through the horrific raid against our home. The video of which, by the way, was played for a second time in court today uh, as we dissected it even further. And it's just like, even if um, the Long Beach lesbian, which is the... (laughs) 
the <laughs> witness that was on the stand today. The, One of the FBI agents. The special FBI agent on the case. Even if she was just, you know, giving answers like, this is pretty standard. It makes her look like a piece of crap that she just doesn't find anything wrong with that video. No, so, she said it was by the book. Yeah, she's like, this looks fine. You know, and she yeah. didn't say that, but that's how I, she acted. I, well, I mean, she's not going to get caught up in the same thing that the, uh, the the lady that was in charge of the raid, right. uh, Tebow, right, got caught in. Right, because the lesbian wasn't there, right. but Tebow, right. the... Tebow claimed that there was, was a call-out, mm-hmm. and a call-out means... Uh, Ian Freeman, come out with your hands up. We've got you surrounded. You've got 30 seconds or whatever. Right? Whatever the time frame was yeah. um, that we watched it. And, and, you know, there's a time stamp on this video. Yes, you know how is. long it's it is. surveillance cameras. Basically, the uh, the soldiers pile out of their, their armored personnel carrier. Two of them. They're two Bearcats. throw a grenade. Who's awake at 513? And well, nobody was awake at that. Our co-host, but it didn't matter because as the smoke was still rising from the grenade, they were busting in his window. Yes. So he had no time to the react. The first thing he has said, yeah, he was up programming at that time. Yeah, and he said the first clue that he had that there was a raid going on in his house was the smashing of the glass from the Bearcat smashing in the window on the side of the room that he was like right outside, yep. like right outside this studio. There's an entryway. Oh, oh, yeah. He was downstairs. Yeah. He was just sitting in the living room programming. Yeah. And in the entryway, there's a window and yeah. it's right by the road on his side of the And it's right, right by the front the door. House. And that bearcat rolled right on up. As soon as that, as soon as they threw that grenade, the bearcat rolled <laughs> up, ran into the through house. the window, bashed the window in, pulled the entire window frame off of the side of the home. At the same time, they're standing in front of this window, this window here in the studio. Uh, they've got a crew of maybe six or seven or eight guys out in front of this window, and they've got like a claw hammer or something that they just smash this window in with. All of that happened at the same yep. instant. And sure. I, I wish I could and be there. And that's when he figured it out. You can see him in the... Sorry. He, when, what happened was the Bearcat busts his window, and he's like, what the F? He gets up, and you can see in the in the surveillance footage, he, he goes outside and like bewildered. leans over and like stares. That, that's what? what I was going to say. I was going to say, I wish I could go up there narrating because I know what he was doing. He he walks out the front door, then he leans over the porch looking at something. He's looking yeah. at the window because he's looking right. at what's happening to the window. Yeah. And um, the Tebow acted like Tebow was like, house. I can't guess what he's looking at or what he's yeah, thinking. Yeah, she's so he's, full of it. He, yeah. They're, they were just lying. I wonder why crazy people are running a tank into my house. <laughs> yeah. And Ian, I told you there was two Bearcats. I feel like this whole time, haven't you denied I've there? known there was two Bearcats. Maybe it was at the beginning. I, I know I saw two Bearcats and yeah. you denied it at one point. But I couldn't remember if you ever corrected that. I mean, I made that video, so I know there was two Bearcats. Oh. It's your wife. Just let it go. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, but it was, you know, it was a pretty intense situation, and so the jury got to see that again today. They got this IRS agent out there who was doing all kinds of calculations, and then Sisty just cleaned the floor with her within minutes of uh, of getting up there, and then he just drops the mic and mm. walks away. That's what he does. He and, drops the mic. And he said something to her, because she admitted on the stand that they had never never sent a letter to me or the Chai Free Church or anything like that. Sisty ended up... Uh, saying to me that he thought at at first when we first started this trial he thought the tax charges were going to be the hardest ones to beat yeah because the whole case is pretty weak but he was like not sure about which angle to you know come from the tax because it's hard right like if you if you go up against a jury of people who pay taxes and you say well i'm exempt you know even if you're right right like even if you have a good solid argument and i think we do because, number one, I'm a minister. Plus, right? we're, we're in this New is, Hampshire. There's a church. 
and secondly, I don't believe I have a duty to pay. So there's a certain things they have to prove in order to get you for uh, you know tax evasion. And you know down the road, we'll get to that point and we'll find out whether they can even prove those things. I don't think they can, but that doesn't mean that they still can't use, let's call it jury affirmation, right? So we know what jury nullification is, yeah. which is where the jury can nullify a ver- they can nullify a charge based on their opinion of the law. So the traditional example would be you got somebody in a, a court who sold some weed. And you're sitting on a jury and you think the war on drugs is stupid and you want to see weed legal or whatever, even though they caught that guy that you're on the jury for, even though they caught that defendant red-handed. Yeah, they caught him on video selling a quarter pound of weed and they got him, right? Like dead to rights. They got all the evidence. You can still say not guilty because you think the law is bad. Similarly, you can still you can find we don't normally don't talk about this with jury nullification, but it's sort of the other side of it. Right. The jury can also find someone guilty of something even if the state never proved the case. There's so, a lot of people on death row right now yeah. <laughs> for this very reason. He's like like all the components weren't there, but the jury's just like, yeah, looks bad. somebody somebody yeah. died and uh, this is the guy in front of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is why I hate your juries. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we're told that we've got the greatest judicial system in the world, but I don't know that we do. Mm. Um, It really bothers me that somebody can be facing years in prison and there's 12 amateurs, ignoramuses, Mm -hmm. right? Like they don't know the law. No. And they're supposed to come to a conclusion as to whether or not that person has, you know, done a legal thing. Yeah. Well, they're or just an regular thing. people. They're not ignoramuses. They just don't have to worry about this crap that other people have to go through because they're not activists. Ignoramus do you want me to do word. brain surgery on you? No. Ignoramus. You know why? Why? Because I'm an ignoramus. Well, look, ignoramus ignorant, is kind of a mean, a mean word. word. But, it's a mean word that's exactly right. But you are ignorant. Right. Yeah, ignorant, ignorant just around. means you don't know something. Well, right. And most people are ignorant about the law. That's a fact. Right. I don't know if I would go so far as to call, you know, call Ignorant them that. Isn't but, that like a Southern kind of like calling someone an idiot? Um, idiot is uh, Southern uh, Southern aphorism for idiot. But yeah. uh, ignoramus, I think, is uh, ignoramus is just a person that's ignorant of a particular topic. This is the first trial in this federal courthouse in two years. Just about from what I hear. They yeah, never have true. trials Everybody pleads out. I wonder these who prosecutors had a trial. don't know what they're doing. They yeah. look like idiots because they never have a trial. I wonder who had a trial between me and Cantwell because Cantwell was like just about two years ago. I mm. think that that they took him to uh, to prison. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you, but uh, so, it wouldn't surprise me if nobody. It wouldn't surprise me if you were the next uh, case after. after Cantwell. Yeah, it's pretty. Crazy uh, situation, but that said, the uh, the thing that Sisti had said prior to the trial was that he, you know, the least confidence that he had was regarding the tax charges. But today, he's he completely changed his mind about it. Today, he thought, "Oh my God, there's nothing, they, there's nothing here. They have nothing." Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a really interesting case. It's going to get uh, more interesting if it continues on uh, into next week. And as I said, we'll, we'll continue to update you as it goes along. Meanwhile, you can go to freekeen.com and you can read Chris Wade's detailed notes. I don't know how he does it. Uh, I mean, he's almost court reporter level on this. He's not quite, you know, he doesn't have the, the fancy computer that she does right he's right, literally exactly. scribbling he's notes better. yeah he's literally scrib- scribbling notes the whole and, like, time like you know like you know shorthand but he's yeah. getting a lot of information out i've been watching him i've been sitting next Amazing. to him like every day yeah so if you want the best coverage because the fact is the news media is like kind of in and out uh there were a few people there on day one and two 
from mainstream media, and one of the uh, coin desk I think was there for two days, and then she disappeared. Well, and, she's doing the same same Bankman Freed thing. Oh, is she? Mm. Yeah. Uh, you would think CoinDesk has more than one reporter that they can send. She's their to. court reporter. Oh, they only mm. have one. <laughs> Specifically for situations uh, like this. I, and, didn't, I didn't get to meet her, so I don't know anything about her. No, she's... But, uh, yeah, don't the don't worry, Sentinel. she has an in to get more information okay, about the case so she can the, write more. The Keen Sentinel uh, came out one day. I think the, uh, the union leader was there one or one or two days. WMUR was there like the first day. And so they're just all, I think they're all just waiting on a verdict. They don't, they're not really interested in reporting on the case or any of the details about the case. So if you want the actual details, they literally probably just go. came to get the opening statements from the prosecutors yeah, so they could so post they could report that, that and yeah. then leave and then they'll come back for verdict. Yeah, that's probably true. Verdict. Uh, so check it out at freekeen.com. Also, if you don't know anything about this case, you can get started by learning over at thecrypto6.com. That's thecrypto6.com. Sam Bankman Fried, a.k.a. Fraud, or the Bankman, as I prefer to call him, he is currently in custody in the Bahamas, and I've got a story about how you don't want to be in custody in the Bahamas, apparently. It's, I saw a headline yesterday about how it is a uh, noted as one of the world's five worst jails, allegedly. Really? <laughs> wow, I thought Honduras was supposed to be like the worst. No, a lot Everything of everything I've heard, it's terrible. Yeah, a lot of the South American jails are garbage, like and Central I, American. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, is Honduras Central America? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to get into that story, but I just want to give you the details here on his indictment. He was arrested, I think, two nights ago. So this is fairly recent. And then the next day, the uh, this would be yesterday, the U.S. Attorney's Office has unsealed the indictment against him, which is an oh, eight-count indictment. Uh, as far as the Crypto 6, we didn't mention that the judge specifically told the jury before they left today, just so you know, a man got indicted for crypto charges. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with Ian Freeman. Even if you That's come true. up come to a conclusion about that guy, do not let it uh, say anything about Ian to you because they're not being... I don't know how much he went into it, but he said that's I don't know what unrelated. he said precisely, he said but we're basically, not related. basically saying that uh, SBF here uh, has nothing to do with Ian, and Ian has nothing to do with SBF. Can't and, judge him. You know, if you were to judge him based on that, you'd be an ignoramus yeah. sitting on a jury and have no business there. Mm-mm. So, like, you shouldn't even have to say that. Apparently, you know? if, and if. this is why I hate juries. Yeah. Apparently, Bankman is not facing near as much time as I was facing at the peak of my charges. But then, wow. then again, they I waited and didn't take the plea deal, and they brought more charges. So they may end up trying the same move with him if he doesn't tap out immediately, which most people will tap out immediately. So I don't think I we ever like calculated how much time you were facing before the superseding indictment. I think I, I don't remember. I think it was like 170 years or something, but I, I don't remember either. You may the be right, The peak was 420 years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ian smokes pot. We'll do 420. <laughs> I, that, that kind of sadism is yeah. not professional. And the people who did it ought to be uh, you know, disciplined in some way in their jobs. So Sam Bankman fried has been com- uh, charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit money laundering. And conspiracy to defraud the Federal Election Commission and commit campaign finance violations. So a bunch of conspiracy charges and only one actual non-conspiracy charge, which is wire fraud against his uh, his customers, allegedly. The charges in the indictment 
Uh, this is according to the DOJ's release, by the way, arise from an alleged wide-ranging scheme by the defendant to misappropriate billions of dollars of customer funds deposited with FTX, the international currency cryptocurrency exchange founded by the defendant, and mislead investors and lenders to FTX and to Alameda Research, the cryptocurrency hedge fund also founded by the defendant. As far as I'm concerned, if, if they throw him in a mine with a pickaxe, mm-hmm. that he can make more money... For me, as a, a scam victim, I'm not a scam victim of uh, SBF, uh, but it caused a huge ripple within the crypto industry, and mm-hmm. Lord knows what happened and which companies. I mean, we've got several of them that uh, went under, um, yep. and some others that are facing you know hard times as a result. Uh, I mean, I'd I'd love to get a little uh, check for thirty five cents every month mm-hmm. from SBF. You know, picking away, trying to dig—I uh, don't know—diamonds out of a, an African diamond mine, uh, whatever. Are Put you him saying in... he would do that as a jail sentence? Yeah, I was going to say, or... wouldn't that be slavery? That is okay. So that is slavery. I thought you were it... not advocating for people to go to prison. Here. Yeah, wait, I'm not no talking prison, about prison, but yes, slavery. Look, um, slavery is—you know—people need to be, make people whole, and sometimes. But wouldn't he be better off working in the tech field where he could actually put his? If somebody wants him, right? But yeah. maybe only a diamond mind wants him, right? Okay, yeah, maybe. And as far as I'm concerned, every morning at 5 a.m., somebody ought to tap him on the forehead with a Glock 19 and say, "Time to get up, Sam. <laughs> There's some people that need some work." I don't know. This is just man. a good well, I know man. You I don't, know don't like that kind of thing because you're yeah. like, "I want to forgive people," and you can forgive Sam. All I'm saying is, I'm locking saying, him wait, in wait, a wait, prison wait, wait. someplace hey, doesn't not, do any good. I'm all in favor of forgiveness, but I'm not saying you should let the guy off the hook if you are his victim necessarily, okay. right? But that doesn't mean that you. Need need to be using brutal violence against him in order to force him to make things right you can incentivize somebody with the idea of hey look you know you can make things right and or at least try to make things right and then your reputation will potentially be partially restored there are incentives that can come from i love carrots they're much better than sticks they work a lot better than sticks but every once in a while you run up on somebody who needs a stick like maybe uh maybe instead of prison he could just be like like you said, um, convinced to go get a job and pay some people back mm-hmm. and have restrictions to where, like, maybe his Internet's being watched. So he's not just going online and actually defrauding people or whatever. I imagine, uh, yeah, the, I imagine the Twitter sphere is going to keep a good eye on him for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Well, now fa- a federal grand jury has indicted the former founder. And of course, as you know, a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich, as they say. But as the attorney for the uh, district in New York has to say, Damian Williams, quote, now or rather one month ago, FTX collapsed, causing billions of dollars in losses to its customers, lenders and investors. And, of course, now uh, Bankman has been indicted. And to be clear, um, this happens every few years, right? Like, so we got the Madoff guy. Now we got the Bankman mm-hmm. guy, whatever the situation is. Um, every few years, people fall in love with some financial wizard. Mm-hmm. And they think that somehow magic money, man. Let's go to uh, Mike is in New York here on Free Talk Live. Mike. Hi, thanks for having yes, me. Yes, sir. So I am I thought that the whole reason that all these hedge funds and sketchy uh, finance companies have a headquarters, at least on paper, in the Bahamas is because they were protected should the worst case scenario happen. I thought the Bahamas had a non-extradition policy and they wouldn't be arrested for crimes in other countries and also wouldn't be extradited. So I don't understand like what's happening here in this case. And I was wondering if you guys knew. Have you ever heard of that as a thing, Mark, since you travel a lot? 
Um, I don't look for extradition treaties when I travel. Yeah, it's but maybe my, somebody you know talked about it or something. I just don't know, hmm. more or less. Yeah, I heard yeah. the same rumor as you, Mike, that the Bahamas is a place that is difficult to extradite someone from, but that you know whether there's any evidence behind that rumor, I, I really don't know. I guess we're going to find out here in in the uh, the coming weeks and months, however long this will take. If the United States puts all the pressure on the Bahamas, the Bahamas is probably going to do something. It will. They, they tend to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really a client state. Um, if the person has been convicted and sentenced. The request for extradition shall be supported by a statement showing to what extent the sentence has been carried out. If the person has been convicted but not yet sentenced, the request for extradition shall be supported by a statement to that effect. So, Is this from the Bahamian law? This is state.gov. Um, from Bahamas? No, I think it's uh, U.S. State, uh, state Department. Are we talking, talking about, about extra, extraditing from Bahamas another state? extraditiontreaty.pdf, okay. and it's very long, and I can't go through it here. I'm just reading an How excerpt. is a person who is in the Bahamas going to be convicted in the United States without being able to go to trial? Um, maybe this is what the caller is alluding to, is, is that it's such you a can't mess do um, mm-hmm. that uh, things don't work out. But it looks very much like the Bahamas is... Um, either A, going to try them him themselves, mm-hmm. or B, send him to America, because uh, what about all that sweet money we get? Don't forget that every country looks at the United States aghast and says, my mm-hmm. God, you people put, throw people in prison forever for nothing. And so they don't want to send people here. Yeah, it's just a guess. According Again, to, anything could go on. Yeah, according to a Reuters story that talks about the potential for extradition here for Bankman, uh, according to his lawyer, his client is not waiving his right to extradition. If he fights removal, the process could involve up to a year or more of hearings and appeals with little hope of success in the end, according to experts. The facility where Bankman held is be- uh, Bankman Fried is being held is, be- is known as Fox Hill Prison, and we can talk more about that here in a moment. But attorneys who specialize in extradition say time locked up overseas often encourages defendants to consent to being transferred to their home countries because mm. he's in a terrible facility. Oh, apparently. so he can just say, like, I want to go take me back yeah. to the United States? The extradition process can take a year or longer, says David Haas, a U.S. Oh. lawyer who has defended people facing extradition. He says, quote, usually people don't want to sit in a jail overseas. That tends to be a major factor in whether someone challenges extradition. And this is just one more way that the modern world uses prisons to circumvent justice Mm. if extradition is a good thing and i'm not making that claim it's not my system i didn't build this crap yeah okay if extradition and and its hearings are a good thing then let him you know wait for it in his uh condo that he paid for so that the people of the bahamas aren't paying for his uh, incarceration let him stay there and then um you know we can find out whether the united states needs to extradite him or not Instead of just putting him in some place that he's going to be a scream uncle after a week. According to this here at the Reuters article, like most extradition treaties, the U.S.-Bahamas agreement requires alleged offenses to be considered crimes in both countries. Bankman Freed is unlikely to convince a Bahamian court that the securities fraud and wire fraud he stands accused of are not illegal in the Bahamas as well. This according to uh, attorney Jack Sherman 
quote, uh, Bahamian law generally reflects American law in these matters. And this guy's a white-collar criminal defense attorney. He says, further, I wouldn't expect differences in the law to be a big extradition problem. So basically, if Bankman wanted to avoid extradition, he would have to be in one of the few countries in the world that do not have a treaty with the United States. And as I understand it, there aren't very many of them. And they're like, not places you really want to spend time. <laughs> At least that's what I've heard. I've not I've not researched that deeply, but like you know, maybe you could be in Sierra Leone or something like that. One of the least free places. Well, I hear Russia um, says it hasn't been too bad for Snowden. So according to their press release, they're saying that the uh, bankman and his co-conspirators per- perpetrated a scheme to defraud customers of FTX by misappropriating billions of dollars. Of their customers' funds, as alleged, the defendant used billions of dollars in FTX customer funds for his personal use to make investments and millions of dollars of political contributions to federal political candidates and committees and to repay billions of dollars in loans owed by Alameda Research, a cryptocurrency hedge fund also founded by Bankman. He also allegedly defrauded lenders to Alameda and equity investors in FTX by concealing his misuse of customer deposits in financial information that was provided to them so uh they also alleged that they made millions in political contributions funded by alameda to federal political candidates and committees in advance of the 2022 election to conceal the fact those contributions were paid for using funds from a corporation and to evade contribution limits and reporting requirements bankman caused contributions to be reported in the names of co-conspirators rather than in the name of the true source of the funds so he asked his buddies to donate to these political candidates as well in order to increase the amount of money they could donate. So is that a that's one of the charges because it's like against the political it's elections fraud. Laws? Oh, okay. Yeah. What conclusion can we draw from the idea that uh, Bankman was uh, donating to entirely Democratic? No, he gave to Republicans apparently too. I think that some people gave to Republicans, but I don't know if Bankman did. Okay, well, I heard that it was Bankman. I have not seen the actual evidence for myself, but as you can see here, he had his people uh, making donations on essentially his behalf. So uh, he is also charged with conspiracy to uh, two counts of wire fraud, conspiracy, two counts of wire fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, each of which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years. And he's also charged with conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities fraud and conspiracy to defraud the United States and commit campaign finance violations, each of which carries a maximum sentence What's commodities of five fraud? years. I have no idea. Well, in this case, it's a bit, uh, digital commodities. But like, they wouldn't be calling it that, right? They don't agree that it's well, commodities, I thought. The government uh, they has They call Bitcoin whatever they want, depending mm-hmm. on what they want to yeah. do. Different, governments them, have like, di- different agencies have different opinions on what Bitcoin is. Right. And that's probably something just, that's going to come up in Ian's trial soon. I just thought, like, None of the government agencies called it a commodity since that's actually true. Uh, No, I believe the IRS calls it a commodity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, The Treasury Department, however, has a different opinion, if I recall. Wait, isn't the IRS in the Treasury Department? Maybe it's FinCEN. FinCEN FinCEN says it's money. Uh, The IRS IRS says it's it's commodity. commodity. And you didn't elect any of the FinCEN people. They just make laws and say you need to follow them. Yeah, just follow the the contradictory laws. (laughs) That they won't explain to you. (laughs) Right. You can't. You have to hire a lawyer to give you an opinion about the laws. But your lawyer's opinion is invalid. That's what they're saying. (laughs) (laughs) We got Ridley on the line. Dave Ridley uh, is here with us. Go ahead, Dave. Well, yeah, the other thing that bothers me about this case, um, 
you know, where they're they're charging someone with sending items to Russia. Uh, they're not. It doesn't. You know, I, I, what they're. The problem is that people are banned from sending items to Russia, uh, which affects all Russians. It's not necessarily the government. He, you know, if he was helping the government, that's different. Uh, but people should be able to send items to average Russians. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And average Iranians as well and average North Koreans. That would be a true free marketplace. And we have nothing of the sort. So here. we're just not allowed to send if I couldn't make like have a PayPal, I mean, a pen pal to in Syria. Is that what you said? Maybe. Or Iran? Ian. Well, I'm just talking about I was just talking about Russia in this case. Well, am I not allowed to have a pen pal in Russia? I think you can probably uh, have a yeah, pen you pal. Have pen, you can have a pen pal. Yeah. Sure. What about North Korea? If you could somehow get a letter to the person, you probably could still write to them, but you cannot do business with people in other countries under, as I understand it, this is under the uh, sanctions that the U.S. government has implemented on those countries. Correct. And, and again, we, we, they complain about the, the, the economy being in the doldrums and there's the, uh, you know, supply chain shortages and, and so forth. Part of that is because so much commerce is banned. TJ the Spy is on the line calling us from Colorado. Go ahead, TJ. Thank you, my good sir. I wanted to talk to you about nonviolent, peaceful FBI raid preparedness drills. So if you're the kind of person who's going to get raided by the FBI, as someone who's been through a few FBI raids, you know, (laughs) I think you and I have some pointers, some unique perspectives that we can offer the other activists if they ever think they might get raided by the cops at 6 in the morning. Okay. Well, I, never, I think but, you never think you're about to, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, I I like to say one get naked, and that's actually in my lawsuit. <laughs> I pointed. Well, you laugh, but there's a practical reason. Mm-hmm. A bad guy will shoot you whether you're naked or not. But a cop, when they see a naked person, they think, well, they're either crazy, but there's no place they could have a gun. That's a good point. They also so, say you should answer the door naked if it's like one of the uh, the Mormons that's coming by <laughs> trying to recruit you. Never heard that. Just because it'll make them uncomfortable. And, and they, they'll leave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anyone. Yeah, You could probably do yeah. that to a, a census worker, too, and they yeah. leave. <laughs> yep, you probably could. Yes, you know, and always, you know, I say most of them, they'll try many. Realize that the FBI is trained to exploit your fear. So if you fear the death penalty, guess what they're going to threaten you with? Or if you fear mm-hmm. losing coconut, guess what they're going to threaten you with? Sure. They did. Or if you They so, did that to Bonnie, by the way. The 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 head agent in this case, the Crypto 6 case, uh Katie Tebow, who was a snarling liar on the stand, mm-hmm. uh she was re- revealed to be one on the stand last week. She threatened you by, even though you weren't the target of the warrant, Bonnie, you weren't supposed to be arrested on that day. They told me I wasn't being arrested. I was being detained until they could find out if there was anything in the house that was going to hurt them. Meanwhile, she tells you she's going to take your dog to the pound. Yep. She, she, after like, I don't know, an hour of this, just wondering what's going on and where my dog is, she walks up to me, uh, like my eyes are closed, and she just walks up to me, is this your dog? And I was like, yes, can you put him in here with me? I, I think I don't want to rehash the story. I told it the other day. But yeah, yeah, she got me to start so, answering questions. It, they were stupid and inconsequential, but it's just I wouldn't have answered any questions if she just came up to me like, what is the moose smart? I'd be like, I don't talk to cops because I was already telling myself that, like, don't talk to them. Like, I wasn't going to. Yeah. Well, the thing is, 
you know, that's why it's important as you know, like when they were threatening us, you know, when you ask for an attorney as soon as possible, you can, you know, the, the fifth amendment is strong, but the sixth amendment is stronger. And which one so is that? You, the, the sixth amendment is the right to counsel. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, we have Kyle in New York. You're on free talk live. Go ahead, Kyle. How you doing, Ian? Hey. Uh, I'm not in New York anymore. I moved to Georgia because I was having this problem. Oh, okay. Like federal agencies would be uh, different here, but nah. not the same thing. No, nah, they suck everywhere. Well, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, so I reported some public corruption on the local level about uh, warrantless searches and like some banking fraud I had go on. Never got an investigation. Hmm. And I went through the Citizen Cop Review Board. They reviewed me, uh, referred me, excuse me, to, and the New York State District Attorney referred me to the FBI. Hmm. When I made a complaints in person about you know cyber crime and hacking they were trying to refer me to websites for obvious reasons but uh, i made the complaint in person i come out my car was parked on liberty street behind the federal reserve building mm-hmm. the largest hoard of gold in the world and it was gone for two days so i come back i get my uh a day later i'm getting followed by like these gang members i know this sounds ridiculous but i have a video of it just to clarify and, you're uh, getting followed by gang members who are members of the police department or gang members who are other gang members well i don't know they didn't show me id okay right <laughs> getting followed around by thugs all right so you're you're reporting some sort of fraud to the fbi while you're in reporting it someone steals your car that's what happened yeah and my and my car was parked on liberty street the same street as the federal reserve building mm-hmm. where supposed to five percent of the world's gold supposed to be under the street mm. and uh, i just have a hard time believing that that's, that there's nothing on camera because i parked behind federal reserve building on purpose so if anything did happen to my car it would be on camera right so i well. went back the next week with the parking ticket because my my car re uh reappeared two days later with a parking ticket whoa if you know anything about new york city you don't that's get weird. one park you don't get one parking ticket for a whole weekend they keep so, just layering yeah. them on right of course but mm-hmm. my car wasn't there when they returned it i got a parking ticket i, I tried to go to the fbi with the parking ticket and something is evidence now i'm not allowed inside of wow. the city fbi building i'm not allowed inside the philadelphia fbi building now hold on a second kyle let's go let me FBI reverse building. a little bit here what was it that you were trying to report in the first place exactly? Uh, ongoing public corruption and cybercrime, uh, Fourth Amendment violations, banking fraud. Uh, by whom? Uh, by people connected to by first responders. In in New York, where you used to live. Yeah, in New York, where I used to live. So there's you're saying that like firemen and EMTs, police. What, what they, so they have these tools. Well, and I please call it Stingray, but the, mm-hmm. the first re- uh, first responders say it's for like emergency rescue. But you know anything like that that can break into your cell phone signal has ability to be mm-hmm. you know corrupted and misused. I mean, it was already illegal. It's against the Fourth Amendment. They shouldn't have Stingrays. Stingrays are those things that like intercept a cell phone They're tower. Fake cell phone and, oh yeah, they pretend to be a cell phone tower so they yeah. can find out where you are. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, surveillance. What they, they, they yeah so. When that ruling got made, I followed, I've, I've had this problem for 20 years. I, I just never thought it would be this obvious in your face. So when they made that ruling, what happened basically is they just uh, the, the cops stopped using them and stopped saying, oh, they have a non-disclosure, they can't talk about it. And they just contracted it out to private security companies where they enforce the law at their will. And, of mm. course, they're not going to enforce that law on them. Of course. They're giving them all the information. What happened between you well, getting so your car get, back my, and you deciding to go to Georgia? Car, so the, so the Friday that uh, that this happened, I didn't have my car for two days. Mm-hmm. Like, it was gone. And then right. on Monday, it was back. Yes. So I thought that was suspicious. So I w- brought the ticket 
mm-hmm. next Friday to the FBI complaints walk-in desk. If they have a desk, you just walk in and make a complaint. Okay. But uh, Paragon Security said I, I have to waive my Fourth Amendment. They have to tell me, I have to tell a private security company what it was about. I refused. This is hold on, and just I, to clarify. This is in order to even get into the FBI building, you have to go through private security. Well, I didn't have to do that the week before, but mm-hmm. after I made the public complaint, now the private security said they couldn't let me in because I wasn't letting them read my documents, mm-hmm. which was a parking ticket for my okay. car getting stolen yep. the week before. Okay. That I have a hard time believing they don't know about. Then what? I called them. I called them in real time. So they didn't let you in? Someone just stole my car. So they didn't let me in, and they were telling me I couldn't record in public buildings and just like, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of nonsense we know is not true. Right. And uh, so then I go, all right, you know what? Maybe it's localized New York City and the FBI. So I went to Philadelphia and I had the same problem with triple canopy security. They wouldn't let me in to make a complaint with the FBI. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go all the way to Georgia and just move my stuff. Maybe there. it's just that you shouldn't bother making a complaint with the FBI. I mean, it doesn't sound like they really want to hear from you. You know? Well, I'm just telling them basically that they're, they're, uh, they can't use their favorite tool. Well, they're going to use anyway. I think and, he's trying to like you know. record what's going on. Like he's trying to do th- things the right way. Oh yeah, and they definitely it. don't want that. But they, yeah, they do don't not want. want they don't want anybody recording what they do at all because they are committing crimes on a uh, a daily basis. So you had the same experience in Georgia when you moved there. Yes. So when I went down, I came here. I haven't had a bad uh, as bad. Well, I haven't had a bad experience with the Georgia police at all. But uh, but. When I want, and I, I haven't even spoke to the FBI because I got to the gate in Georgia where the FBI building is. Mm-hmm. If you put in uh, Google Maps complaint desk FBI or, you know, uh, tips desk FBI, the building comes up. I walked up to the gate, security, uh, uh, Paragon Security, the same company from New York who's in Atlanta, asked me for my ID. I gave it to them. When they gave it back to me, they told me you can't come in. I said, well, what did you need my ID for then? No, they run in a check on you or something like that. Look, if you really want to talk to the FBI, and I don't think it's a good idea because I don't think they're going to help you at all, right? Like there's no – there's no reason so why these people are going I, to. I think he's trying to make a point. He's he's trying to film like, look, I'm just trying to do this the le- mm-hmm. like the right way. I'm trying to go about this right right way, and they're making it really difficult. That's yeah, why but, he's filming it. Well, I I'll it, tell but, you, they're making him sound crazy because if your car yeah. uh, disappears and then shows up two days later, I have mm-hmm. never heard of anything like that in my life. It is crazy, but and, it's probably what they're doing to make impo- him look crazy. It's impossible for me to believe that the building that has ten times more gold than Fort Knox doesn't have any cameras on that block. So it's yeah, that seems unbelievable. Crime. I mean, I don't, don't believe there's it. any gold in there either, but I also no, don't believe they don't have cameras. It says non-fungibles. And what the hell is a Well, it doesn't matter what their website order. says. They can say whatever they want. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm certainly not rooting for Sam Bankman, but... But he deserves a fair trial at the very least. Well, I mean, I don't know how the government's going to make this better. I'm not going to lose any sleep tonight... Knowing that Sam Bankman fraud is in a jail in no. Bahamas. But I don't know how anyone imagines the government's going to make it better. The only purpose for the government in here is, is like, well, everything's a disaster. And we're doling, we're going to dole out the last of the money that we've got. And we're going to try to go find the money that, he, you know, he maybe he stole some. And they'll take it all for themselves. They probably won't give a penny back to anybody who, mm-hmm. uh, whose money they'll it is. They'll pat themselves on the back for it and, and they'll issue press releases about how great they are. And then right. they'll regulate Bitcoin more, just like Bankman Fried wants anyway. Well, yeah, and that's the big theory about Bankman is that he was always a government asset. That this was something that was set up from the beginning to fail with the intention of it being the new excuse for why the state needs to regulate 
uh, cryptocurrency businesses. So we've been following the Bankman situation for uh, the last month. We never really spoke about him prior to that, but I was aware of him as this egomaniac, basically, who put his face on all of his advertisements for FTX. Right next to the FTX logo was a bigger image of Sam Bankman. Sounds like a bad... You know, advertising strategy, because he's ugly. Well, I mean, it worked for him, apparently. He had this whole uh, this, this, this persona that was sort of based on being this great man, the great man who gives of himself to charities and politicians, and he is a philanthropist. I, I'm, and- not, I'm not, like, completely... I mean, super into like the crypto space, like reading the articles every day. But yeah. I mean, I'm in it a little bit, and I've never heard of him. What about yeah. you? Oh no, I had I'd only heard of him in that I seen uh, his advertisements with his face on them, and I, I was not aware of all the propaganda about him. I didn't any you know ever watch any of the interviews with him. I had no idea about all the love that he was being showered with by mainstream media and yeah. politicians and such. Uh, so, but I did end up hearing that he was a big advocate for regulation. So I only knew two things about him. I knew he was a big advocate for regulation in the industry, and I knew that he loves himself so much he put his own face on the side of a building uh, with an advertisement and multiple advertisements featuring him. And I just thought that's something's wrong with this guy. Yeah, it's um, well, like I said. People seem to keep following, falling for this particular scam. The, the, there's this great money genius, yeah. and all I have to do is give him my money, and he'll make more money for me, <laughs> and I'll be rich. That's all I have to do. I'm not saying that Sam Bankman-Fried uh, is uh, guilty, but I'm saying he deserves to be presumed innocent yeah. because that's the way the system's supposed to work and if he you didn't believe, run i mean to his credit like he, he didn't did he could have run at any yeah. point yeah. presumably yeah. i mean a guy with this kind of money could have got a private jet right and left bahamas and it would have been really difficult for them to find him and by the way any private jet he could have got a gulf stream five that would have got him as far as he needed to go mm-hmm. for you know to to get away in whatever what, circumstances, and Several chose thousand? not to. Well, well many 10, thousand. Well, I don't know what it costs to fly in a private. Oh yeah. Private um, jet. If so, if you're talking about bringing a private jet like a Gulfstream Five, was mm-hmm. probably going to be a hundred thousand dollar trip. Oh, and taking wow. it to Moscow, uh, I would guess it's. Well, with 000. all the money he raided, or someone raided from uh, FTX the night of the bankruptcy, he could certainly afford that. Well, I'm sure that if he's sitting in jail right tonight, I'm sure he's thinking that hundred thousand dollars would have been money would well have been spent. Cheap, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I agree with Mark about making sure you presume somebody is innocent until they're proven guilty. But the only thing is he's being held in Bahamas right now, not the United States. So maybe they don't have those kind of laws. English common law. So it's the same stuff. Are they English common law? Yeah. Is the Bahamas a British uh, protectorate still? So uh, the chief ordered him, the chief judge there ordered him held at Fox Hill, known for its rodent infestations, violence, and the mixing of children with adult prisoners before his next court appearance on February 8th. According to the story here, the facility was designed to hold 1,200 inmates, but regularly incarcerates around 2,400 prisoners. And there is a short video here on the Daily Mail site where uh, somebody, you know, there's like a media tour being done of the Fox Hill jail or prison or whatever you want to call it. And it looks like there's about six men uh, that are being held in a cell that probably shouldn't have more than three or four 
guys in it. So, yeah, it's definitely at uh, high capacity for prisoners. That said, we've seen images from some of the South American prisons, and they are literally just stacking dudes on top of dudes there. So this may not be, you know, it, I've heard a rumor it's one of the top five worst, but I don't know if I, if I believe All it. All this is is a make, um, you know, a make money program for the jailers. Uh, Freed's going to buy himself his own cell, and he's mm. going to get it. Inmates, which are being held in overcrowded conditions, of course, like many, you know, foreign countries, especially in South America. Uh, but again, this is the Bahamas uh, where we hear about just terrible prison conditions. One section of the study says, quote, many cells also lacked running water. And in those cells, inmates removed human waste by bucket. Oh, my. Continued saying that sanitation was a general problem with cells infested with rats, maggots and insects. Ventilation was also a general problem. Prisoners in maximum security had access to sanitary facilities only one hour a day and used slop buckets as toilets. Have you been to the Bahamas? <laughs> we got to talk about prison and then let's talk about Mark. No, I have not yet been to the Bahamas. No. I went no, as I a kid mean, on a cruise. I just wanted to know, is there like a lot of different races there? Or is he going to like stick out like a store? Almost all black them people. As like the, the white guy. He will be get, the white guy. Maybe like yeah. picked on. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. The foreigner too. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's a largely black population, but uh, there are some what they call conky Joes. What is that? Is that a white person? It's a white, white person. Prison inmates complained about the lack of beds and bedding, and as a result, inmates developed bed sores from lying on the bare ground. While a study done years previous described the prison as harsh and primitive, there are a total of seven housing units in the prison, including maximum security, a female unit, and central intake throughout the prison. Minors are sharing cells with adult prisoners. In a separate uh, 2021 Amnesty International study found that prisoners at Fox Hill did not have access to bathrooms and were forced to slop out. Suicides are common as mental health care for inmates is virtually non-existent. The study reads, yeah, if they don't have potties, they don't have mental health. Mm, yeah. The study reads, quote, there have been repeated, unconfirmed, serious allegations of sexual abuse and rape, which oh, do not appear really? to have been adequately investigated by the authorities. Oh. Shocking, huh, Mark? Right. I mean, you know, this is... There's there's some theories behind incarceration. Some of it is just build a wall and let whatever the hell goes on behind it go that, go on. That literally happens in some South American countries yeah. where I think it was was it Venezuela? Yeah, yeah it was Venezuela we where they just the gave gave the prisoners the prison. We talked about it. Yeah, and they like they just literally live like kings inside of this prison, even though the thing is still surrounded by the military at some level. It is still a controlled facility to some extent. The prisoners have taken over the entire operation, and they like they let their bitches come in, and they have uh, sex with them, and there's like products being sold and bought, and it's a, just a crazy and they're not like in cells, obviously. Yeah, it's a crazy situation. I don't know why. Um you know, like we've really gotten away from the idea that, uh, uh, you know, somehow like it, everything's supposed to be terrible mm -hmm. for inmates. Um, you know, like what's wrong with somebody's wife visiting them or yeah. whatever. So we started throwing up uh, Captain America prompts into this art program called Mid Journey. And uh, every one of them is interesting to look at. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's compelling to me just to kind of. You know, scroll through them. They're all a little weird. Yeah. You know? Sometimes it's like it can really figure out what you mean like better than 
you sometimes could, it surprises you. I'm not yeah. an artist. I can't just like draw what I'm thinking at all or mm-hmm. paint or anything. So I can be like, like one time, a good example is I did like 1940s barbecue in the backyard, and I gave a few more, whatever, right? yeah. uh, like I give a few more details of it. Came out with exactly what I meant. I was just like, "Yes, that looks so." We nice. iterated it a few times. We didn't find it, it right away, but yeah. older too. So the only reason we iterated it a lot is because it was like, "Wow, nobody has legs" or something yeah. like that. <laughs> something else was messed but up. But overall, it was like the idea was exactly what I was going for. I was yep. like, "Okay, yeah, it, it knew what I meant." And yeah, it you can was you can tell me. it to do certain styles or a certain photograph, like it make it look like an '80s photo or a '70s photo, or you can have it look like a steel a still frame from a CCTV camera in black and white or a fisheye lens i mean you can anything you can think of they've got it you can just it will create it and as you saw it was what 60 seconds or less to create a high resolution image of captain america here as a soviet propaganda poster (laughs) so that's what we did we put soviet uh, captain america soviet propaganda poster and it came up with a bunch of different options we chose one that uh, that you liked mark and then we came up with uh, captain america punching an evil german dictator because they they won't let you use the word hitler which Mm. is just stupid or nazi yeah, so I have my critiques with uh, Mid Journey, but ultimately the the art itself is is pretty fun. So here's the news. So do you remember Bonnie when we first started doing these uh, things on? I don't know if it's Mid Journey or where we were, but there was always this term that was sort of tacked on called trending on Art Station. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. A lot of people would add. So you add certain things to a, the description or the prompt. That you want to influence the prompt. Some people will add in an artist's name. So like or proportions. You know, H.R. Giger or Alex Gray or something like that. And it'll kind of it'll sort of swing the art in the direction of, of that artist, right? Is Giger's name is H.R. Geiger's name Giger? Maybe it's Geiger, I don't okay. know. H.R. Giger, Geiger, whatever. That guy, the guy that made the alien. Anyway, yep. you put in Which a you're name, a huge fan. You put in a name of an artist and it'll swing it in that direction. Well, it's also true if you put in a name of a website. So apparently there was this art station website. I'd never heard of it. But it's one of these sites for artists to post their artwork and I don't know, people subscribe to it or something. I don't know if there's a revenue model or if it's just a hey, so I'm showing it existed pre AI is what you're saying. Correct. Oh. So it's a site for artists to post their artwork. And so people were using that tag when they would generate the AI art because they wanted it to have that sort of art station feel to it, basically. Did we have, like, uh, you know, the nation stand still because of uh, accountants protesting calculators? <laughs> that uh, happened? No. No, it's oh. a joke. No, I'm just, uh, I mean, it seems like ev- technology is going to weave its way into every yeah. section of you know modern life it's gonna it's gonna threaten the jobs of a whole bunch of people and artists appear to be no different and i don't know you know like i I often look to me art is worth something either because a i like it or b somebody else likes it so i could see you know maybe it it seems likely to me that if you bought a salvador dali original painting Mm today that you would be able to sell it in 10 years for more possibly okay yeah um and i think that that's true with you know pablo picasso and a variety of them out there banksy i know he's a modern yep. artist that you and there's probably a handful of them that you can um that you can buy and then maybe sell it for more later that's you know i can see art as investments but to me 
a lot of, I mean, all you have to do, Ian, you've been to the Ringling Museum of Art. and um, Not since I was a little kid, but, but yeah, I have. You have an idea of what I'm talking about, the Renaissance art, yeah. the Baroque art, mm-hmm. you it's know, really this kind of stuff there. Yeah, uh, you may find it boring. Yeah, but it's awful. you can see the talent. What sure. I see in modern art is crap. In many cases, just absolute garbage. Somebody like yodeling while they, you know, uh, sculpt Joe Biden's head out of butter. I mean, like it's just garbage. And uh, I mean, I have I have no particular use for it. So mm-hmm. to me, it is of low value. Which of course, this art is of low value too. It's being produced quickly, easily, sixty seconds. Uh, um, now I don't know what they're doing to sell you the art. What are they doing when you want? You know, when you want this art, when you see you a can piece, just download it. That you're like, I want really bad. I want. Are this. we talking about the from the real artist? The, quote unquote. No, from the. I, I know what artists, real artists do. Are you talking about on the AI generated? AI generated. Well, you can use some of these for free, but then they want you to subscribe. And in the case of Mid Journey, you pay like ten bucks to thirty bucks a month, depending on what you want. You know the yep. level of subscription, and you just download whatever you want. Well, can what you if put you're... it on your website if you sure. put uh... you, with Mid Journey? They give you the copyright on what you generate, whereas Dali keeps the copyright for them. Okay. So you have to look at the terms. There's different. There's different setups out there. Can you just go view somebody else's on? Midjourney without having paid? Um, I'm not sure. I think so. Because in that case, you could just download it like you can download anything. I'm not 100% sure about that, Bonnie. Or you can uh, screenshot it like you can screenshot anything. Right? I think I think you can get in the server for free. And yeah, you. I think you can look around and watch as much as you want. So, uh, But when you pay for it, you get access to their website and it kind of organizes it all for you. And it's really, really so, nice. So very cheap is at least the it's answer. Cheap. It's cheap. I mean, the amount you'll pay for a whole year's worth of subscription to MidJourney is less than you'd pay a professional artist to make one piece of work for you, Mark. This is Mark Edge coming to you for Locating Liberty, part of the Liberty Radio Network. And today I'm with Rahim. Rahim, can you say your last name for me? That is Odegon. <laughs> say it again. That is Odegon. <laughs> and uh, you're with uh, Scholarium. I'm here at the uh, the Free Private Cities uh, Conference, and you were talking about communities. I thought that you had a very compelling speech, and I just wanted to talk a little bit with you about communities. So what are you researching over there at Scholarium? Oh, lots of things. Uh, it's based on the realistic and interdisciplinary tradition of the Austrian school. So we try to understand what uh, real people are doing within the world, look at history and, and psychology and politics uh, as well. And uh, the issue today uh, uh, and where a lot of the interest uh, comes to for the uh, Free Cities Foundation is from people trying to seek independence from the fragile financial and political structures of our time and seek it within self-reliant and mutually supportive communities. Because it seems like pretty far-fetched to create your own city for most people. So you try to band together with like-minded people and yeah, try to support yourself with each other and probably find a better place somewhere in the planet to find a plan B solution. Uh, and it's quite a dynamic. Uh, we've seen that uh, various times in the past and now since the great financial crisis and more recently during the pandemic, uh, it has uh, gotten a lot of momentum of people seeking other like-minded people to, to bend together more or less. It seems like the pandemic gave the world, so many people, I guess I would say, just such a large percentage of the population is no longer tethered to a particular location. Throughout mankind, uh, basically, we geography was integral, and now it's not nearly as much for as nearly as many people. 
Definitely, there's the story of the sovereign individual or the perpetual traveler and the permanent tourist. And those are, I mean, I think the uh, best strategies for the individual to increase your liberty. If you have enough income or savings, I'd say it makes it easier, but it has a downside. Now, this lifestyle of total mobility, of not being sure where you'll be based next month uh, and trying to do this kind of regulatory arbitrage and the multi-flag theory, uh, most people who try to raise families or really build industrial companies and stuff like that, they are seeking more permanent locations. Uh, and uh, that's, I think, one of the drives towards intentional communities. Yeah, I feel like first we start with communities, then we go to villages, then we go to towns, then we go to cities. You know, free cities, which is what we're talking about here at this convention, uh, they're a great idea, but it takes a long time to build what a city is. What do you find is the sort of kernel for these uh, communities? Uh, well, it's uh, people realizing that there are other people they share values with and, and share ends uh, and uh, it's like conference like that. Uh, you feel <laughs> safer because you feel like you're among sane people uh, and not uh, <laughs> crazies, the crazies out there that, that you see on, on social media maybe and, 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 and mainstream media. Uh, so it's like seeking like-minded normal people, sane people, I'd say. So that's, that's one of the strong longings. Uh, now, I think the difference from a city project is a city project is more entrepreneurial. It's trying to offer a node for cooperation where you not necessarily have to share the same values or ends. Uh, and I think that's one of the virtue of cities and marketplaces and ports and so on. Uh, but uh, as you say, it seems quite far away and probably the more bottom-up way is to first uh, find uh, like-minded communities uh, and hopefully have some economies of scale later on added to that. What are some of these communities that you've been keeping an eye on? Because you're sort of a scholar in this uh, this this little tiny little realm. You're uh, one of the premier, if not the premier, scholar in this realm. What are some of the communities that you uh, use as examples uh, that that you've been keeping an eye on? Well, there are two interesting uh, field laboratories <laughs> in the history of intentional communities. That's the U.S. and Israel. Uh, now, the U.S. is already in the fourth wave of the founding of intentional communities. It started with the early religious utopias of the 18th century, then went on to... The right, I can imagine... Sorry, hold on just a second. I, I, I can just imagine remembering the, the Shakers. And, yes. um, you know, there's a, there's a whole variety of them out there, but, um, you know, they, they came to mind. Yeah, it's an amazing variety. You had hundreds and hundreds of utopian uh, societies being founded in the U.S. Uh, uh, with different uh, perspectives. So the, the second wave was the socialist utopias, uh, which is quite odd uh, uh, to think that the U.S. was once a field laboratory for socialism. Uh, maybe so there was but, some practical experience there as well. The but merits and failures of socialism. In a free world, socialists and communists can do what they want. If they want to start a socialist community, they can. Um, now, the opposite is true in socialist communities, where they demand homogeny. You must be like us. This is the revolution. Um, you know, we won the war, and we'll put you on the, uh, the wall and shoot you if you don't agree with us. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, that's one of the learnings from history, and in particular from the second field laboratory, Israel. There you see how many people actually prefer communism. And it turns out, the estimate uh, I can make is 0.3% of people actually choose uh, communism if it's a voluntary 
choice. Uh, uh, and I'm all for in, in for that. So I, I'm definitely convinced that it's more than 0%. Uh, it's a small minority. And it was the experience not only uh, on the whole, on the meta perspective, but also within projects. If you look for them over time and those that survive, it was by trial and er error. And most of those figured out that... Uh, Fully uh, grown social, uh, communism, socialism doesn't really work. You have too many conflicts. Uh, it's too much sharing. So most moved uh, in the spectrum from communism to more like co-housing, some communal property, some communal rules. Uh, and that's what we see with the kibbutzim movement in Israel. Three quarters of kibbutzim eventually uh, rediscovered private property. Now they're based on private property. They have founded successful companies. They are more or less company towns. Uh, and, and those have been able to survive uh, for generations and are still there and still offer a viable alternative and only a quarter of kibbutzim are still communist uh, uh, in the original sense and I, I think it's great that you can have this kind of trial and error and, and finding the perfect fit for yourself because people are different, we're all diverse, it's different trade-offs uh, and uh, it's all about the choice uh, and not only the choice increases your liberty it's also the space for innovation that increases the liberty for everyone because you can learn something you can find out something and we can have competition and improvement and figuring out better rules a better software of living together uh, and that's i think what's interesting about intentional communities I love the ideas of liberty, but I came to them uh, by looking at, well, what makes people happiest? What makes them live the longest? What gives them the best prosperity? What, you know, organizational model is best for humans? And it turns out we're all different, or at least a little bit different. And, you know, we, you know, we're individuals and group beings at the same time. So we need all of this stuff. I have been watching your research for years now. I'm very delighted in um, what I've seen. Can you go ahead and give me uh, some contact information, websites, that kind of thing, so that my listeners can read your stuff and uh, see where your videos are, those kind of things? Unfortunately, most of my work is in German, uh, but you can follow me on Twitter. It's colarium underscore AT, and there is about three quarters in English, uh, so I try to share uh, uh, videos of lectures and, 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 and some thoughts uh, on Twitter. So I, that's, I think, the easiest way to follow. It's scholarium underscore AT. AT is for Austria. I'm based in Austria. I'm a true Austrian economist in Austria. The last one. <laughs> the last real Austri Austrian economist in Austria. And uh, the name is Rahim, and I'll let you do with the last name for me. Tadi Zadegan. Tadi Zadegan. Yes, very well done. Rah Rahim Tadi Zadegan. Thank you. Thanks.